We could do a jingle. It's puzzling. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Puzzling, a true crime podcast. My name is Tiffany. My name is Sarah. And we're your hosts. And as you can tell, Sarah is not Bailey. Ooh, it's assistant Sarah. Ooh, we got Sarah the assistant here. <laughs> Feeling kind of musical today, so if I break <laughs> out into song, apologies. I love to just break out into song every once in a while. Yeah, but so. no one loves when I break out. Like, um, I love it, no one else does. <laughs> I am pretty sure everyone is going to love this. Don't worry. Apologies for your earlobes, <laughs> your, ear yeah. your eardrums burning. My bad. No, the earlobes, it's fine. Yeah, I mean... Those probably too. Yeah, your entire head. I'm sorry. (laughs) So we have Sarah, the assistant here, because Bailey is currently in Pennsylvania visiting her friends and family and was not able to record before she left. So our next episode is going to be with Sarah, the assistant. And we're so excited to have her here. I'm really excited because I'm always in like the background and I very annoyingly interrupt every (laughs) once in a while. But like, it's all about me today, baby. It's okay. We love you. (laughs) I'm stoked. Rachel loved you. Good. Thank you, Rachel. I don't know who you are, but I appreciate you. Yeah, she's the one that was here with her puppy um, like two weeks ago when Hunter and... <gasps> oh, Rachel. Yeah. She's sweet. And she's a cute little puppy. Her puppy's so cute. I know. Adorable. We love puppies. That's adorable. Almost as cute as Misty. Almost as cute as Just Nova. <laughs> Nova Nova. Oh, yeah. Do you want to tell them who Nova is? Yeah. Nova is my sweet angel baby girl. Um, She's a black lab healer mix. I used to have a husky as well, but he passed last year. So now she's my, besides my human baby, my one and only baby. (laughs) Besides my actual literal child that I have, she's my baby. Nova is Misty's absolute best friend. Yes. And it is the cutest thing ever. They love each other. We have, so Misty has her own Facebook or uh, Instagram account. So does Nova. And (laughs) it's Misty and the Cats, M-Y-S-T-I, if anyone wants to follow her. But... She has the most perfect picture with her BFF Nova on there, and it's absolutely precious. And Misty doesn't love other dogs, so for her to love Nova is a lot. The sad thing is, is that my Instagram for Nova is still Nolly and Nova. Yeah. And well, you I made just, it for Denali, right? I made it for Denali, and I so I made it Nolly and Nova. I added the and Nova when I got Nova, and now I just like can't bring myself to take Nolly out of it, because like... Well, that's your, he's that my your soul. First baby. He was my soul dog. I'll yeah. never love a dog as much as I loved him. Oh, that's I how I feel Nova. about Misty. I love Nova. Don't get me wrong, but like, it's not the same. Now, whenever we get Misty a puppy brother, it's I'm I'm gonna love it to death, but it's not going to be Misty ever. No, uh, no. that's why Misty's never gonna die, and neither is Nova. Yeah, Denali was only four, which is like the killer. I know. Yeah, mm, that's okay. how old Ayla was when she died. Bummer. I used to have five cats. You guys. <laughs> <laughs> I had mom, dad, and their three babies. And do we want to tell them how much mm. Zeus loves me? Oh my gosh. So yeah, Zeus is just hanging out here next to Sarah and he's letting her love all over him and he's so unbothered by her, which is abnormal because he's bothered by everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a whisperer of sorts. He's like he's a sweet cat. He's very tolerant. I always tell people you can hold him upside down by his tail and he'll just let you. 
Not that I've ever done that, but... <laughs> yeah, that was Denali. I always told people, like, you can cut his paws off with a butter knife, which, like, duh, I would never do that, but you could, and he would be like, okay, this is fine. Yeah, that's how Zeus is. Okay. He's like, <gasps> I don't care what you do to me. Cat. Except Rex's. Is... Oh, is that Maya? <laughs> no, that's Maya. Maya being I know your here. own cat's better than you do. I can barely see her. <laughs> anyway, Tiffany, how was your week? <sighs> hmm. I'm sorry, I'm gonna call you Tiffers for the rest of the episode, oh, so... Maya! <laughs> It, it's forever tiffers so tiffers. sorry guys yeah sarah's boyfriend said that um she or he will not allow their daughter avery to call me anything but anti tiffers that she will not know my name is tiff or tiffany or anti tiffany or anti tiff it's only anti tiffers <laughs> which is fitting which i think is adorable it's great especially when avery's starting to talk and her little tiny like baby voice like anti tiffers Oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited for it. Adorable. I know. Uh, no, my week, uh, it was it was okay. We had Mother's Day. My mom came up and we went to see Bailey at work. And that was good. That was good. But um, today sucked. Yeah. Yeah, it's been, it's been rough at work this week. Mm. I cried twice today. Yeah, not the best work but environment. But it's Maya. <laughs> Maya, okay. Cool. I'm sorry. Maya will not leave her microphone cord alone. She's a little brat. I got her. But, <laughs> yeah, I cried twice at work today. It's fine. Everything's fine. I'm fine. But <laughs> it's normal. It's okay. Perfect. 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 <laughs> everything's perfect. Um. Well, that's good. I mean, at least you had a nice, I was like, weekend. so excited to come home and make myself a Bloody Mary. <laughs> which Gross. I did <laughs> and then I made you dinner so you're welcome yep Sarah made me dinner I'm really happy but it's okay only two more days of work and then I have three days off because I'm going to one of my best friends graduation parties and then I'm going to Vegas for my future mother's bachelorette party so I'm pretty excited for for this upcoming weekend I can't wait that'll be super exciting no by I'm the time this comes out I'll already be home and I'll be I really know. sad <laughs> You'll you'll be able to tell us all the stories. I will next week on recording. I'll be able to, to tell it all, tell it all, a tell all by Tiffers. Yes. <laughs> How was your week? Um, it was good. I celebrated my first Mother's Day. Um, I woke up to flowers and breakfast. It and was your bowling. second Mother's Day, but whatever. Jason. Well, you know what? Jason said last year since I was pregnant on Mother's Day, I technically wasn't a mother yet, which is fine. It's fine. It's whatever. He well, made up for it this year. <laughs> my boyfriend and my mother didn't get me anything for Mother's Day, but my brother got me a pillow for Mother's Day because I'm a fur mom and he acknowledges it, unlike my own boyfriend, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he just flipped me off. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but the weather kind of ruined it. Like, I wanted to go to the beach. We were going to have a nice dinner with his mom. And she lives in Carson, so she couldn't drive up because of the snow. I couldn't go yeah. to the beach. So I was a little bummed. But he made dinner. Yeah, for those of you not around here, we had quite a bit of snow the last two, three days. Yeah. And it sucked. <laughs> it was definitely out of season. Yeah, so... it's late. I mean, it's... Today's the 11th. It snowed a lot yesterday on May right. 10th, and it's like, yeah. why are you still snowing? It's, I know. It, it kind of... It's spring! <laughs> I don't want to say it ruined my Mother's Day, because my Mother's Day was really good, but I wanted to do more than I did. But yeah. also, I got that job. Oh, yeah! If you guys remember episode, what, two? Two, I think. Sarah, the assistant, had an interview, and we finally heard back yesterday officially that she got the job it took forever and 
it was a cool process. Like, he did a whole personality assessment on me, and I got to figure out who I am, you know? Because <laughs> apparently I didn't know. <laughs> but um, it's really cool. Um, I start on Monday. I'm really excited. And I, I just pray that he likes me. And I think he will, but... I mean, how could he not? I know, I know, but you know. Everybody likes you. You never know. Maya! <laughs> okay, Chica, lady. Come on. <laughs> oh, that was cute. I hope you guys heard that. For any of you who want to know or care, um, last week, if you heard Maya, or if you heard my cat purring into the microphone that I forced, that was Maya. And she's a little love bug. My Maya. She'll probably come up on your lap and hang out. I know she loves me and I love her. I know. Oh. Sarah, is there anything else you want to tell us about yourself? No. <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not very fun to be honest I we covered the tattoos we covered the kid we covered the dog we covered the job I don't really that's true can you think of anything interesting I was adopted by a Korean woman that's fun oh yeah that's that's true Sarah's yeah. a redhead I am I'm a redhead and I was adopted by a Korean woman and every time I tell someone that my mom's Korean they say oh I can see it in the eyes but you can't and <laughs> I, you all saw the picture that Tiffany posted of me on the Instagram, and I, you cannot see it in the eyes. No. I appreciate everyone for trying. <laughs> They're like, yeah, I totally see that. <laughs> You're totally half Korean. I totally oh, get yeah, that. I, I get that. No. <laughs> but that's, like, honestly the most fun fact that I have about my life, and it, like, blows people's minds. Didn't you say that you were pulled aside at TSA a lot and stuff? Because... Yes. Also because like. I had spinal fusion surgery, and so every time I go through an airport, when they do the full body, like, scanning things... It looks like I have a knife in my like tucked into my shirt because it's just straight down my back mm-hmm. and it's metal. That's not how it works. This is, <laughs> no, they've they've pulled me out and we're like, well, yeah, they what have is to pat this? you. Yeah, I worked for TSA, but for I always three years, I guys. always get picked. Just a fun fact about me. I always get picked to go in that round body thing, and then they always do. You like do the an round intense... body thing regardless. Mm, I haven't been to the airport in a long time, but it was like random selection the last time I went. Pre-check does random selection. I've but you would have to do it regardless because you can't go through a metal detector. I can't? No. Dude, I haven't flown. You'll beep. You have metal in your back. Yeah, well, then I always get really intense pat-downs, and then if, if well, I'm yeah, with my mom, they're it's, like... It's scar tissue or, like, um, density. Well, my spine is really close to my skin. There's metal in it. Well, yeah, the metal is But, dense, yeah, my, so they used to... when I'm going to pat-down probably every time you go through. When I was, like, a child, they if I wasn't with my dad... They would pull us aside and be like, is this your mom? And I'd be like, yes. And At least like, they were doing their job. I know. I, mean. <laughs> I know. I know. But like, once I couldn't get a piercing because they didn't believe that I was, she was my mom, even though she's on my birth certificate and we have the same last name. Um, That's fun. Yeah. So they were like, well, this isn't your mom. I'm like, adoptions are a real thing, bro. Yeah. So, yeah seriously. I don't know. That was not the most fun experience, but. Well, whatever. We love your mom. Oh. Do you need a new drink? Yeah, I do. Hey, Alex. (laughs) I was like, I don't want to ask him. My boyfriend's here for a second time. Let's see if he wants... Can you grab me a drink too, please? Nope. Please. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Sarah's drinking Cutwater (laughs) Twisted Tea. No, it's a Long Island iced tea. I'm sorry. Twisted Tea is the brand name. Yeah. Long Island iced tea. From Cutwater is what she's drinking, and I was drinking a revision. Look how what a gentleman! Ooh, did you hear that? Yeah, Thank he you. threw mine at me, and he opens <laughs> yours for you. 
<laughs> Alex, you're officially my favorite boyfriend of all my friends. Cheers <laughs> to that. Yeah. Cheers <laughs> <Just> to that. <laughs> okay. Um, but he got me a Deschutes. So I got a Fresh Haze IPA. I just spilled all over myself. They should pay for that. Yeah. Um, we should pay you? So they should pay. Oh, just wait. You know what? I take it back. I'm not drinking to shoots. Not until we get a sponsor from. It. So I want. Um, I'll I'll talk about revision all day long, though. I love that. There are a few of my friends that live like because Deschutes is from Oregon, mm-hmm. and um, one of them's from Hawaii, and they always go shoots in Hawaii, and so they changed it now. So all my friends, if they get excited, they go Deschutes. Ah, oh, there you go. <laughs> and like, they should be sponsored. Shit. Yeah. Well, I also think we should be sponsored. Probably by revision, though, because I talk about them the most. I we agree love, with that. We love revision. I like Angry Orchards, so if I can get a lifetime supply, <laughs> hit me up. Well, I bought 48 <laughs> tall cans of revision not that long ago, so they really should sponsor me. Right, right, right. <laughs> we love you. Love you. All right. Anyway, okay. so Sarah is here to tell uh, me a story today, so she's got a whole story planned out, and I I'm do. so excited to hear it. This is a crazy one. So I do have two. Both of them are insane. The second one is a little bit more well-known. This one was super small, like really local to where I grew up, um, and I have a couple weird connections to this, and so I'll, I'll share one of them at the end because I don't want to give it like, a spoiler alert. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this one is a crazy one. And so my connection, my first connection is that I actually watched this case live in high school, like in the courthouse. So I'm so jealous. I know. So what class was that for? It was for Gov. And so so my senior year of Gov class, they made us. My Gov class was not that cool. (laughs) No, they made us like, they wrote us passes. I don't know why I keep being like Wisconsin over here and like PFs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they have been doing it all night they wrote us passes to get off campus um and to go to a court case and we had to just write like an essay on you know our the government system and whatever um and so well you picked the best I, one probably well, so i didn't even pick this so what happened was i go into the courthouse with my friend ashley and we're we walk in we just pick a random room we sit down and it was like um it was a courtroom that was supposed to start like a small claims trial uh trial for like a traffic ticket boring super boring and so we sit down it hadn't started yet and one of the lawyers for the guy goes hey like go to this room upstairs trust me and uh we ended up at this case <laughs> so like shout out to that lawyer That's awesome. for being like hey you're doing a project yeah don't come here go to there and it was the first day of the trial so we got to see everything and we just kept going back so. one of my <laughs> um bosses was on was on the jury for a murder, tri- murder trial up here Really? Yeah. So my mom's in... It's all... He, like, obviously wouldn't tell me any details. Yeah. Obviously. My mom's in jury duty right now, and the only thing I could get out of her was, is it a murder case? And she was like, no. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, well, I don't yeah, want to know he anymore. Me, he's like, I'm living your dream. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, with, with jury duty. And I'm like, yeah, but is it a murder case? And he's like, yeah, it is. And I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> I, I always go to jury duty just in case it is a murder I've case. I've never been called for jury duty. I get called twice a year. I want to be. Take my place. <laughs> <laughs> but if you get a murder case, I'm going to be upset. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> no, I've never been called. How old am I? 25, almost 26. So in almost... Right. Eight years, I've never been called for jury duty. Yeah, no, I'm. I'll be 24 in July, and like, Babe, I have get you been called, called for jury duty? Yes. Oh, Alex has been. 
I get called twice a year, dude. Was it anything good? I didn't go. Oh, he didn't go. Well, okay. So I've always gone, but I've never <laughs> I, been I lived picked. Out of state at the time. That makes uh, sense. Yeah. I've always gone, but I've never been picked. So, like, I go in, they do all the rules, and then they're like, okay, we're going to pick these and these, like, all the jurors, and then they pick everyone else but me, so it's fine. Well, maybe they just don't think you're good enough. I don't know. I guess not. If only they knew. (laughs) Well, they'll pick you for the murder one, hopefully. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Hopefully they'll pick both. (gasps) Could you imagine if we were both on the same jury for a murder? My mom's supposed to be there till like, June. So I'm thinking it's, like, a big case. But she said it's not a murder case. No one died. She said, she said, no one died specifically. So I'm like, okay, okay but so something it could happened. be like attempted? a serial rapist attempted or murder? yeah, attempted I don't know. Murder, I don't or know. I'll have oh. to wait till June to find out. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to hear I about know. it. <laughs> I know. All right. Well, all right. So we're going to get into Sarah's case. Um, but first we're going to jump into an ad. All right. Thank you for listening. Sarah, do you want to start? Yeah. So as I said, I had that connection. Um, super weird. Super coincidental, super um, interesting. Anyway, I'll share the second one at the end. But the literally the only background information I could find on Christopher McNutt, who is the um, defendant okay. in this case, is that he dropped out of the 11th grade. Oh, that's it? <laughs> yep. So, okay. I, so, like, I guess that kind of sums up how much of a winner this guy was, you know? I don't know. Uh, sounds like my ex-boyfriend. And he, and, and, uh, and he also lived with his parents. I, oh, like, yeah. he was... He was um, 41 years old at this point, so. Okay, yeah. yeah. No, he's a winner. I think he's a winner. I think he's great. I would love to You wouldn't him. date him? No, I mean, I would marry him. I wouldn't just date him. I he's like have, endgame. I would have 10 babies with him. He's endgame. For, for sure. sure. <laughs> so. <laughs> I don't think Alex is really paying attention to what we're saying. And when I said I would have 10 babies with him, the look he just gave me. <laughs> So, yeah, that sums up. He was a great guy. We All love, right. We, we love him. Yeah. He's great. That's um, but let's man. remember that he's the defendant, so we don't love him that much. No. Well, I mean, <laughs> listen, I didn't love him anyway. So, uh, Ron Sauvageau, and I had to look up how to say his name because it's felt really funky, but it's Sauvageau. I can imagine just by you saying it, I don't it's, even want to try to see the spelling to figure it out. It's S A U V A G E A U. Sauvageau. Is that French? Yes. Okay. Um, so Sauvageau was the victim. He grew up in Calistoga. He graduated from Calistoga High School That's in... California? Yeah, it's Sonoma County. Okay. Well, yeah, Sonoma County. Okay. So I grew up in Sonoma County. Um, I mean, I figured because I already knew where this case was from, but... Right. I grew up in Petaluma. I don't know. Maybe he moved, so... <laughs> right. So it doesn't, it doesn't take place in Calistoga. It takes place in Sonoma, which is like 35 minutes from Petaluma. Um... Super cute town. Yeah. Perfect. But he grew up in Calistoga. He graduated from Calistoga High School in 1968. Oh. So. Um, I'm over here thinking that he was like our age. <laughs> no, no, no. They're, they're, they're older for sure. And, the, and this happened in 2015. So. Yeah. I was thinking that he was. Well, I mean, you've told me like oh, your connections to it. So I don't right. That's all I knew. And I just, I don't know why I just assumed that he was also like. 17 at the time. No, no. <laughs> okay. Not Makes at all. Sense. Okay. Not at all. <laughs> so at 11.19 p.m. on March 20th, 2015, Sonoma County Deputy Sheriff Alan Collier observed 41-year-old Christopher McNaught driving a silver Toyota Tacoma pickup 
near the Acacia Grove Mobile Home Park in Sonoma. Um, McNaught was speeding and driving out of his lane, so Deputy Sheriff Collier conducted a traffic stop of the vehicle as he approached it. McNaught placed both of his hands out the driver's side window without being asked, which is, like, already suspicious. I mean... Yeah, it is. It's weird. Because, like, if I get pulled over, I just keep my hand on the wheel, which is what you're supposed right, to do, right? Right, There's You don't no have re- to be like, I have nothing here. Right, right. It's, like, look. overly, like, I am innocent. Right? Yeah, look at yeah. look at how innocent I am with my hands out the window. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. Um. So after Collier explained his reason for the stop, McNatt that said that he, and this is a quote, had to get to his brother's house to take care of his brother with a knife. Excuse me. <laughs> like, bro, you just got pulled over for speeding. Wait, Maybe shut your mouth. He told that to us. Yes, that's, that's the first thing he said when <laughs> Collier walked up and was like, hey, you were speeding. What's up? Like, what's that about? And he's like, yeah, I got to get to my brother's house to take care of him with a knife. <laughs> like, okay, cool, I cool, often cool. feel that same way about my own brother. Yeah, cool, but cool, cool, cool. I would never Great. say it to a cop. <laughs> McNatt went on to say that he needed to put his brother down. Is he a dog? Right, 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 right. Um, and that there can only be one of us. <laughs> so we're, we're getting right into I'm the I'm sorry. Crazy. I am, I'm literally, I don't even know what to I say. I know, I know. That's why I told <laughs> you, like, this is weird. This is a crazy case. Um, Hold on, I'm going to open my Deschutes, or my, my beer. I'm I sorry. just realized that I went, because mm. <laughs> I was leaning forward and like, my mom belly just like pushed it out of me. <laughs> Sorry, mom guys. belly. You guys, Sarah looks great for ha- having a baby. Like goals. It's fine. Okay. Anyway. Um, okay. So Collier asked McNutt for his license. Um, when McNutt fumbled in his pocket for it for an extended period of time, Collier got nervous and ordered McNutt to place his hands back on the steering wheel. Understandably. Right. If he literally, if I pulled, <laughs> listen, I wanted to be a cop for many years. If I pulled somebody over and they were like, oh, I'm just going to take care of my brother with a knife, I'd be like, there can only be one of us. Yeah. (laughs) I'd be like, how about we don't even reach for the driver's license? Like, how about you step out and I search you? I guess this guy was just giving him the benefit of the doubt. I don't know. He's more (laughs) trusting than I am, I guess. I don't know. Not me. Um, My personality test that I took actually revealed that I do not trust anyone. I assume the worst in people, which is absolutely true. I can't relate. I think that everybody's great. Nope. Until they give me a reason not to. Nope, and nope, that nope. is my downfall. Nope. And yeah. the guy that did the personality test said, for example, if, if I said, oh, I'm going to have you work with Tiffany. She's a great girl. I'd be like, well, I hope she is a great girl. Instead of being like, great. I love working with great people. You know, like I'm like, mm-hmm, we'll see. <laughs> Which is totally true. I'm like, I don't trust anyone. No, thank oh, you. I wish I didn't. I'm too trusting. Mm-mm, I hate no, it. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, not as much anymore now that I'm – I mean, I've always been into true crime, but the more I get into it, and which no. has been – very much the last few years i'm a little bit less trusting nope. but if i meet you in person and i'm like oh yeah they're good nope. <laughs> i'm like someone's got some dirt on them yeah. what is it no one's perfect uh, everyone's I, got problems that's a better mindset that's why you're not gonna get murdered and i might well I we, heard, we heard my story last week huh? well that was just silly <laughs> but you were young we I were all young. young and dumb at some yeah, point you're, you're right you're right Okay, so uh, Collier then saw what appeared to be dried blood on McNatt's hands. Collier asked McNatt a few times whose blood was on his hands, and McNatt replied it was Ron's. 
McNatt went on to say that Ron was his twin brother. <laughs> that he was in space number two of the Acacia Grove mobile home park and that he was in heaven. Okay, so... <laughs> Let me just say, Ron, in fact, not McNatt's brother. Not even related. I was going to say, did he already take care of his brother? Yeah, like, yeah, what yeah. is happening? No, Ron's not related to, to McNatt Do we know if he has mental health problems? No. Or... I, yeah, and we know it's not mental... We'll, I we'll, we'll, we'll get, get into, into it. it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um... So, they're not even related. Um, McNatt was making rapid, repetitive body movements, speaking quickly, and at times sweating profusely. Collier concluded that McNatt was under the influence of methamphetamine. So, there there it is. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) Um, So, he placed McNatt under arrest for being under the influence of a controlled substance. McNatt asked Collier to remove his handcuffs, and when Collier refused, McNatt said he would, quote, take care of him and put him down oh my gosh okay now that you mentioned meth though this makes a lot more sense (laughs) i'm like not even surprised anymore (laughs) right right so collier took mcnatt to the santa rosa jail which is weird because i don't know if sonoma has a jail but i would assume that they would take him to the sonoma jail instead of the santa rosa because santa rosa from sonoma is like maybe 30 to 45 minutes well, yeah, I don't know. Which is weird to me, but whatever. I mean, listen, you're the Californian. I don't right. know if Sonoma has a jail. I don't but... either. I don't either. I know the courthouses in Santa I would assume that they probably just took him to the closest one, right? Right, but I know the courthouses in Santa Rosa. Um, but, I mean, every town has to have... They don't even have, have like, holding cells? Right, exactly. So that's why, that's why I thought it was weird, but I'm not sure. Maybe he just knew this guy was going away for a while, <laughs> and he's like, no holding cell, you're going right to jail. It's a good point. <laughs> Um, so meanwhile, at 11.35 p.m., an Uber driver named Trevor Meeks noticed a 55-gallon barrel covered in tarps near Sonoma City Hall. Okay. He called to report that trash had been illegally dumped, so deputy... Well, good on him. I know, right? Litter bug. A lot of people won't do that. I know. They would just be like, hmm, wonder what's going on there. <laughs> right, right. So deputy Ser- sheriff um, Preston Briggs arrived at the scene around 12.08 a.m. He reserved... He observed a 55-gallon orange barrel with a blue tarp on the top and some other items around it, including a green duffel bag, a green couch cushion, and a skill saw. Just, <laughs> wait, like next to it? Yeah, like kind of around it. Like someone had just dumped a bunch of shit. At City Hall. Yeah, which okay. is what, what he thought. Like, okay, this guy just dumped a bunch of shit. Just like dumping his trash. Right. Maybe he's protesting. Yeah, like, uh, who knows? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he's on mess, so it's fine. <laughs> that yet but yeah (laughs) so so when briggs approached um he saw that there appeared to be dried blood on the side of the barrel um as he approached the barrel further he saw a human hand protruding from inside he didn't even stuff him in all the way yeah right (laughs) (laughs) it's like cover your shit up sorry this is so meth like meth what's the word i'm looking for meth like methy. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't know. I can't think of the term. I'm thinking meth positive, but it's not positive. No. <laughs> it's just like methy, I don't know. So the barrel containing the body was taken to Sonoma County Coroner's office. In addition to the body, the barrel contained a passport identifying the body as sixty four year old Ron Sovajo. Well, he made that easy. Right. <laughs> it also contained a bottle of Sovajo's prescription medicine, two pocket knives, and a cell phone. 
Sauvageau's eyes were black and blue. He had several large lacerations on his face and several puncture wounds to his back. And bruising only happens before death, right? Right, right. So he was clearly beaten before he mm-hmm. was murdered. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so Sauvageau's autopsy found two fractures of the skull, one to the back of the head, which was the cause of death, and another to the side of the head inflicted post-mortem. So he was alive for some some mm-hmm. of the, some of this, which is horrendous because, you know. Um, I hope he at least, like, passed out and didn't. Yeah. That's the most you can hope for. It's and so like, bad. There's a bit more to the autopsy, and I really, really do hope he passed out. Um, he had three chop wounds inflicted before death. <gasps> um, likely. Like, did he try to, like, cut off limbs or something? Or It doesn't say where. It, was just, it just says chop wounds. That's horrible. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. This is likely in... And likely by an instrument with a serrated blade and force post-mortem superficial stab wounds on his back, as well as numerous other minor injuries. So I really hope those chop wounds he was he was passed out for. Seems like either a little bit of overkill or a little bit too methy. Right, and we'll go, we'll kind of get into that because um, what I heard in the courtroom was insane, and I I think it's got some overkill to do with it from maybe some trauma. In his life, okay. um, which doesn't excuse him, but I think it, no, I think never, that played but... a big part in it. Um, so Anthony Chapman, who performed the autopsy, said that the fatal injury to the head was consistent with having been inflicted with a hammer, and that the total of Savageau's injuries were consistent with having been inflicted during a frenzied attack, which makes sense. <sighs> Um, Collier contacted his supervisor and reported that he suspected McNutt might have been involved. <laughs> Which really? Is like, duh. Um, and then, I mean, he said, like, oh, it's Ron's blood. So, yeah. I mean, well, pretty easy. <laughs> I mean, pretty easy he, to didn't, connect. he didn't try to get away with it. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, so. And then, wait, in 2015, mm-hmm. at the, you said the courthouse or the At cap- the Sonoma City Hall. City Hall. There has to be cameras, right? No. How? It's 2015. No, there wasn't any cameras. We know that's still seven years ago, but it's 2015. But, but it's, oh, that feels weird that you said seven years ago. I, I know. <laughs> You're telling me. No, but there wasn't any cameras. I was already graduated from so, high school. Sonoma is like a very small town. Um, it's very like picturesque country. like Vineyards. Vineyards. I want to go. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. But they are, they're not like an industrial, industrialized like city. As much as like the small town that I grew up in, Petaluma, it's it's definitely like nowhere near that. And I grew up in a really small town. This is the smallest town I've ever lived. Really? Yeah. Mm, okay. Petaluma's population is like 59,000. This is smaller. Maybe it's 150. We're like twenty five thousand. We're the um, chicken. Petaluma is the chicken capital of the world. <laughs> yeah, we know. Well, I guess we don't. Know. I know that you told me. I know because I'm obsessed with chicken. <laughs> I know we're like a, we're Petaluma is a super super small town. Like everyone knows everyone. That's weird. I mean, I know like Tahoe, South Lake Tahoe at least. Uh, yeah, I know we have under thirty thousand population, at least of right. full time residents. We have a lot of second homeowners. Yeah. Oh. Petaluma is <laughs> starting to get more populated because everyone that can't afford San Francisco. Same. <laughs> well, it's everyone that can't afford San Francisco is moving up 101. So San Francisco is like 45 minutes away from Petaluma. So people started moving into Marin and now Petaluma is the next step from Novato. 
So it's kind of like getting pushed out. It's getting more expensive. Populated. Yeah. 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 It makes sense. All that garbage. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I guess this is a pretty small town too. Right. Everyone knows everyone here. Right. So they took McNutt to um, the Sonoma County Sheriff's Office where he was placed in an interview room. After exiting the room, Collier heard Matt yelling obscenities and what sounded like a table or a chair being knocked over. Collier re-entered the room and told McNutt that he needed to calm down, and McNutt eventually did. Collier left the room and watched McNutt on a monitor, which revealed him saying a number of things to himself, including, quote, I need this shit to wear off. I'm exhausted. I thought I did it right. I did that shit. I wish I had had... <laughs> I wish I had had more than a day and a half to figure everything out. I wouldn't change anything. I was sloppy. I won't let it happen again. You dropped the body at City Hall. What do you... Of and, course and, you were sloppy. And he gives a reason for putting it at City Hall. He gives a reason and it's ass backwards. Oh, I can't wait to And it's this. ass backwards. Um, and he said the name Ron a couple times. <laughs> oh, this guy. He is so methed out. Yeah, oh my yep, gosh. Yep. So, investigators investigators went to the address provided by McNutt. Remember, he said that when he got pulled over. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the trailer two, or whatever. The trailer park. Yeah. yeah. Um, it belonged to Ron Aerosmith. So, okay. So, they searched Aerosmith's trailer. So, the different Ron. So, Ron Sovigeau is the guy who got killed. Ron Aerosmith. Okay, right. right. But still, Ron... Okay, first of all, coincidence. Second of all, if you say oh, it's Ron's blood, and then you give an address to a different Ron, or even just any Ron. Like, you probably just shouldn't say Ron. <laughs> don't say Ron. Don't give an address to a Ron. What is right, wrong yeah, with yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they searched Aerosmith's trailer beginning around 8.30 a.m. on March 21st, 2015, so the next day. Um, they saw what appeared to be blood on the walkway approaching the trailer and on the steps leading to the trailer, on the path leading around the trailer to the back patio, and about eight feet past the steps towards the back patio. Yep. Sounds like he was sloppy. <laughs> right. On the back patio, a green cushion was missing from a chair. <laughs> Potted plants had been knocked over and eyeglasses and hammer were located on the ground. Okay. In Bloody hammer, I assume? Yep. Okay. Uh, inside the trailer, a kitchen. the kitchen area was in disarray. On the floors were clothing, towels, and a comforter that appeared to have been used to clean up blood. There was also a green sweatshirt with a distinctive bleach stain and apparent blood on it. The hammer and the sweatshirt were swabbed and tested for DNA. The major contributor of the DNA on the sweatshirt was Aerosmith, and minor contributor was Sovjo. That's and weird. McNatt was Wait, excluded. So the other Ron mm-hmm. was, was the major McNatt? contributor. Was that McNatt? No, Christopher McNatt was excluded. Oh, Christopher McNatt. Okay. So, Ron, what's the other one's name? Uh, so, the other one. Aer- Aerosmith. Aerosmith. Um, he... He was... So, Aerosmith was the major contributor. Um, the minor contributor was Sojo. But and then, Aerosmith is... This is the guy who owns the trailer. Do we know where he is at yeah, this point? Yeah, we will, we, will, we will know. Okay. We don't... We don't at this point, though. No, not at this point, but we will find out. Um, so, oh. but the weird thing is that Christopher McNutt, the defendant, he didn't have any dna on that sweatshirt which is probably good for his defense right but uh the major contributor of the dna found on the hammer was also aerosmith and the minor Did he kill him too is this a you double know, homicide we'll, we'll, get into it. we'll get into it and the minor contributor was undetermined but mcnaught and sovajo were both excluded oh 
which is weird because he's they said oh this is most likely a hammer and the guy who got killed his dna isn't even on that hammer which is weird yeah um so meanwhile detective joseph horseman interviewed mcnatt beginning around 7 30 on the 21st of march mcnatt relayed a version of the events as follows he was visit- visiting Aerosmith at his trailer when Aerosmith said he would be back in an hour and left. Okay. Asking McNatt to keep an eye on his trailer. Around dusk, Sauvageau came by the trailer, asked if Ron was there, and McNatt told him he was not. Um, Sauvageau went around, to the, around the trailer to the back patio and sat in a chair. McNatt made various attempts to engage Sauvageau in conversation to get a feel who, for who this person is. They're probably both meth heads. Just do meth together. Exactly. We'll figure it out. Um, but Sauvageau gave him back nothing. Actually, I'm sorry. I take that back. I don't want to. I don't want to disrespect the dead like that. Okay, so Aerosmith actually was um, McNatt's sponsor in NA. Okay. So I'm not sure if if Aerosmith was still doing drugs, which will but kind what of about like Sauvageau. Sauvage. Sauvageau. Sauvageau. I um. We'll get into that. It does not seem like he was an addict. Okay. I take it back. I'm right. sorry. I, right. I jumped to conclusions. No, it doesn't <laughs> seem like he was. Um, Jason made a good argument for like, well, if he died, like, of course, they're going to make him sound really good. But there was not a single thing in here that made him seem like he was an addict. Good. Good for him. Yeah. Um, I think it was just wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, that's that's so sucky. Right. So he tried to, uh, McNatt tried to engage to see who he was. So Joe gave him back nothing. Uh, McNatt then grabbed Sauvageau's shoulder, and the two wrestled. McNatt fought with Sauvageau for almost 20 minutes, and McNatt felt like it was kind of a him or I type of thing. For- yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. For why? I know. Um, with significant prompting from Detective Horseman, McNatt appeared to admit hitting Sauvageau with objects in the yard once or twice with a hammer. I just want to share a transcript from the interview also because this is actually ridiculous. Okay, I'm ready. So I'm here ready. I it love is. transcripts. I know. So here it is. Horseman says, so the detective Horseman, he says, "Let me ask you this. You bring him inside. You bring him inside. Um they told me a hammer was found and I don't know the significance of the hammer, but a hammer was found. So you bring him inside and you realize I would imagine that you need to get this guy in the barrel or somewhere." McNatt says, Oh, yeah, nothing like that. Horseman. Horseman. No? (laughs) Are you sure? (laughs) McNatt. No. Horseman. So how many times did you strike him with a hammer, do you think, before it was finished where you you felt safe that he wasn't going to get you? McNatt. I don't know. Horseman. More than 10? More than 20? McNatt. No. Horseman. 30? (laughs) McNatt. I would say no. I... Horseman, two, three. McNatt, honestly, I don't exactly remember striking him, but I know I hit him. What? What? Horseman, (laughs) yeah. McNatt, uh, with like, he got hit, you know, with like objects in the yard, you know? And it was in the throes of things. Okay. Horseman, yeah. Well, I can tell you a hammer was used at one point. McNatt, all right, but Horseman, just to fill you in. McNatt. Uh, if it was, it was not more than once or twice. Horseman, got it. McNatt, not 10 or 20. Horseman, yeah, yeah. <laughs> McNatt, you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Horseman, I don't know. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> McNatt. Love him. <laughs> yeah. McNatt, 
Yeah, I'm just saying it wasn't like, it was nothing brutal like that. Okay, it was enough to kill him. He had (laughs) chop wounds, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And like, I'm sorry, Sarah, if I hit you over the head with a hammer as hard as I could twice, that's going to be too much. Right, right. (laughs) That's going to be two times too much. Even once is like, "Mm, probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah, like... (laughs) If I'm that angry at you, I might hit you, like, in the leg with a hammer. Right, exactly. Like, beat you over the head with it. Right. So, during another line of questioning, McNaught made a statement that Sauvageau's odd behavior triggered 40 years of anger about his childhood. I was actually in court when he said this. Um, I remember him saying that his mom used to ignore him. Oh, boo-hoo. Yeah. mm -hmm. So, he didn't like that he was being ignored again. And that's oh why he gosh. snapped and he killed Sovja. Okay, I, I get it. Childhood trauma like plays but, like, into this stuff on. a lot. But come on. That doesn't, know, you can't kill people. Nature versus nature and like no. blah, 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 blah. But like, it's not an excuse it's not. by any means. It's really not. I understand being frustrated and upset. Right. Bringing that like childhood trauma back in. How you, like you feel like it's being brought back because he's ignoring you. It justifies maybe you yelling at him a little bit. Maybe you, like, storming off and going inside. Yeah, or saying, like, why the hell are you ignoring me? Yeah. Does not contribute murder. Is that the right word? Um, no. (laughs) Contribute. That's not the right word. Um, Justify. It doesn't doesn't justify justify murder. Um, So he he later, like, recanted the statement, though. Like, he took it back. I mean, of course he did, but you already said it. Sorry. (laughs) So using a chain, McNatt dragged Sovajo into the trailer and eventually loaded his body into the barrel. He used a dolly to load the barrel onto his truck, and McNatt said that he, quote, heard, you know, a couple kind of familiar voices, you know, whether it was, you know, my friend Ron and a buddy or whatever, but they were off in the darkness. McNatt told him he had to take care of this and that he would be back. McNatt left the barrel near Sonoma City Hall because he, kind of the hall was, uh, a hall of justice just popped into my head on the four corners of the square, and it just felt normal to kind of bring it to a place where I know justice was dealt out for decades or centuries. (laughs) So, so that's why he brought it to literally the most public place you could. What? Right. Um, like, like he was hoping that it would be found you see, and that justice would like, be served, but not right. on him. I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. He's like, yeah, well, it just made sense because like, that's where things happen. And so I made things happen at that place that things happen. Like, what, <laughs> what are you doing? This guy's bonker. I mean. I know. Bonkers. Listen, kids, don't do meth. Don't do meth. <laughs> That's pretty don't. much the whole moral of this story. Don't do meth. Absolutely. So <laughs> detectives decided to interview the owner of the trailer, Ron Aerosmith. Um, Aerosmith's interview gave the following timeline of the evening. Can't wait. Yeah. So McNatt came to his trailer at about noon or 1 p.m. And he left around 4.30 telling McNatt to watch his place for him and to not let anyone come in that he did not approve of. From the trailer, Aerosmith went to a friend's house where he remained until about 8 p.m. or 8.30, and then he went to the El Verano Inn for a few minutes, after which he went to another friend's house where he spent the night. In the morning, he returned to his trailer where he ran into the police. Because, like, oh, the police are here. Wow, weird. (laughs) Um, 
Aerosmith also said that he knew Sovajo well and that Sovajo visited often and occasionally spent the night. However, surveillance footage of the Alvarano Inn showed that Aerosmith entered and exited between 7.30 and 7.32. Oh, so he's just... Okay. He's So, I mean, an hour off. Like, I kind of get it. It's fine. Mm, weird. Um, but he was... Chunk of time, but right, right. I mean, but, sometimes you get confused. But he was wearing a green sweatshirt with a bleach stain on the front in that okay. uh, in that camera. So, um, if you remember from the search of the property, there was the same green sweatshirt mm-hmm. with a bleach stain on the front, and it had blood on it. So, if he hadn't been home since the afternoon before, how was his sweatshirt in the kitchen already, and how did it get blood on it? If he hadn't been home until the police got there. We are in new age technology. You're right. You can't get away. How do people think that they can get away with stuff like this? I know. Um, Detective Horseman was on his shit. Well, (laughs) like a halfway decent detective should be, you know? Because (laughs) he thought the same thing. I'm not a detective and I can figure that out. (laughs) Right, right. So Detective Horseman thought the same thing. So on April 3rd, he spoke to Aerosmith over the phone. He explained his theory that Aerosmith did not participate in the murder but that he helped McNutt dispose of the body. Mm. Yeah, um, see, he's trying to pick it up, like... Yep, yep. Like, so, no, it's not, it's not your fault. You didn't you know, do anything, Yeah, tell but, me what really happened. I know right, you didn't right. do it. Yeah. Right. So, um, Aerosmith agreed to meet with Ho- Horseman the same day at a McDonald's, where Horseman showed Aerosmith a photo from the Alvarado and surveillance camera of the green sweatshirt that he was wearing the night of the murder and noted that it was found the following morning in his trailer. Aerosmith did not want to discuss the matter further at that time. I mean, I can't blame him, mm-hmm. but also, right, kind of caught red-handed, my dude. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, you better get your story straight. Um, so on April 16th, Aerosmith was again interviewed by Horseman. For the first time, he admitted returning to his trailer the night of the murder, stating that he did show up, but it, I'd opened the door and I saw some legs, and I go... <laughs> and i go in i and i go what the fuck's going on and uh then chris he he was acting kind of weird so i just slammed the fucking door he assumed that sovejo was passed out and denied having helped mcnatt dispose of the body aerosmith admitted that he must have changed because his sweatshirt ended up on the floor of the trailer but he did not remember that part okay so you open the doors <laughs> you see some legs you see some legs you're like someone shit. Who you think might be passed out right. quote unquote and then you change and leave and don't remember that you walked in changed and left yeah you think like oh i saw some legs i changed so i saw the whole body and then i left but like no i somehow changed outside of the trailer chucked my shit in got some shit out without going inside and all i saw was legs oh my Mm -hmm. gosh so on may 13th aerosmith was charged with accessory after the fact as he should be what a lunatic right so on december 30th as part of a plea negotiation Aerosmith was again interviewed at the sheriff's station. Aerosmith again told detectives that he left McNaughton's trailer around 4.30 p.m. In addition to the Alvaron Inn, Aerosmith for the first time stated that he visited Agua Caliente. It's like a division of, it's like a suburb of okay. Sonoma. Yeah. yeah. Um, that evening looking for drugs. Okay. Um, he also Chugger. again, yeah. He also again stated that he had returned to his trailer on the evening of March twentieth, around nine thirty or ten, telling detectives that he found somebody passed out and that McNatt was smiling and watching a video. 
Aerosmith denied seeing any blood and stated that he left immediately after changing his sweatshirt, went to a friend's house, and got high. He denied having anything to do with the murder or with loading Sovageau's body into a barrel or into McNatt's truck. On October 14, 2015, the Sonoma County District Attorney charged McNatt with the murder of Ron Sovageau. The was em- Aerosmith charged with anything? Um, he So, yeah, so they arrested him um, with... His story is honestly somewhat believable, though, because... Uh, well, think about yeah. it. Drugs make you do wild things. So if he was like, oh, yeah, I walked in, like, I saw someone... Like, if he was high and he just saw someone, he he probably just was like, maybe he's passed out. Like, right. I mean, it's plausible. It's not... Sure. Yeah, and I get that. Um, He was like, charged with accessory after the fact. Um, And then, yeah, McNatt was charged with um, murder. What was that? Um, so the information further alleged that McNatt had used a deadly weapon, a.k.a. a hammer in the commission of the offense, and that he had a previous conviction for burglary that was both a strike and a serious felony. But where is his DNA? Right, and that's kind of where they're like... Is that on the defense? Well, that's kind of where Aerosmith was like, hey, you have have more of a part in this because that's your trailer. Yeah. And your DNA is on it, but his isn't. So you either helped him clean or you did it. So which one was it? You know? right so this is like i'm already stressed as a juror i know i know (laughs) so so mcnatt's trial took place in february of 2016 so like almost a year later um the prosecutor's theory of the case was that sovajo arrived at aerosmith's trailer while aerosmith was not there that mcnatt struggled with him in the yard and ultimately killed him with a hammer and that aerosmith then helped mcnatt dispose of the body after returning home and finding that Sauvageau had died. The defense theory was that McNatt struggled with Sauvageau in the yard until Sauvageau was rendered unconscious and then dragged him into the trailer, but that it was Aerosmith who later committed the murder while McNatt drove to McDonald's and that Aerosmith had helped McNatt dispose of the body. So McNatt's defense is saying, oh, he didn't do it. That was all Aerosmith. He wasn't dead. Wait, but... Then, hold on, you mm-hmm. just said, but then Aerosmith helped McNatt. Right, so they those. don't even know their own story. <laughs> yeah, that's... Exactly, yeah, so... That's, like, not even <laughs> corresponding well. <laughs> right, right. So, McNatt testified in his own defense, telling the jury... Bad idea. I know, bad idea. Don't do that. Um, he told the jury that he had wrestled with Sovjo in the backyard, and that they had each other in simultaneous headlocks, and that at some point... Sauvageau had stopped moving, but he denied hitting Sauvageau with any objects or causing any bleeding. That's when he recanted what he said mm-hmm. because he already said he did. Right, exactly. Silly um, boy. <laughs> he then carried Sauvageau into the trailer. Aerosmith had returned home and he sent McNatt to McDonald's, where he was captured on video between 11.05, or sorry, 10.05 and 10.12. When McNatt- Could you imagine just murdering someone and be like, Hey, can you go get some McDonald's? Like, right. I just killed this guy. I'm hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> so, when McNatt returned, there was blood all over the floor. And Sauvageau had a jacket pulled over his face and head. McNatt then loaded the body into the barrel and onto his truck. Aerosmith told... Oh, why what? are you doing that? Is that him? It's, he's hitting Making this thingy. <laughs> he's shaking his head and hitting it. 
Um, it's Kapal and my cat. <laughs> One of my 17 cats. Right. <laughs> so when McNatt returned, he says, when he returned, there was blood all over the floor. And so Vajo had a jacket pulled up over his face and his head. McNatt loaded the body up into a barrel and onto his truck. Mc- Aerosmith told McNatt to leave the body on some long road towards Napa, but instead he left it at Sonoma City Hall. The defense subpoenaed Aerosmith as a witness, but he invoked his Fifth Amendment right to refuse to testify. Okay. Yeah, suspicious. <laughs> I mean, he came up with a good defense. Right. I'll give him that. But, but I like, mean, you've already said, like, oh, yeah, I hit him, he struggled, blah, Yeah, blah. with everything that was said by himself and, like, in the interrogation room and to, like, what he said to the detectives. Right. I mean, your defense isn't that great. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a good story right. if you didn't previously already incriminate yourself. Yeah, like, I guess you could have left him passed out. But why would Aerosmith kill him? That's what I don't get. Like, why would he come home and kill his friend? Well, why would either one of them kill him? Why would well, anybody kill anyone? Well, Ron already... Uh, sorry, not Ron. Uh, Christopher McNatt already said, like, my mom used to ignore me. So that's why I got Yeah, mad. exactly. And I didn't know this that. guy. And if he, he never said any of that, right. he would have a better chance right. of... Yeah. Yeah, At least getting a lesser charge. Right. But... I don't know. It just... Dumb. My theory is that he killed Ron. And then Aerosmith came and helped him dispose of the body. I think that Aerosmith was an accomplice. That's definitely what I think. But I don't think that Aerosmith killed him. I think fully Christopher McNutt killed him. Aerosmith helped him. I mean, he incriminated himself. Right. So. Yeah. And so uh, the jury thought so, too. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're smart. <laughs> so on March 1st, uh, 2016, the jury found McNutt guilty of secondary degree murder and agreed with the allegation that he had used a deadly weapon in the commission of the offense. The trial court sentenced McNatt to 15 years to life on the murder count, doubled because of the previous strike, plus a five-year consecutive uh, determinate term for the prior strike, plus a one-year consecutive term oh my gosh. <laughs> for the deadly weapon enhancement for a total term of 36 years to life. Okay. After McNatt was found guilty, Aerosmith entered a plea of no contest to the charge of accessory after the fact, but I, I can't find his actual sentence anywhere. Um, oh, bummer. I, I don't know what, like, how many years or what his sentence was, yeah. but he did he did plead guilty. I know. Sometimes it's really hard to find this kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. So that's unfortunate because I would like to know how, how long he's going away from Yeah. Um. Oh, well. I mean, same, but yeah. So happens. Yeah. McNatt tried to appeal his sentence, claiming that he gave statements involuntarily due to the fact that he was held for eight hours before questioning began and that he was tired and under the influence of methamphetamine. <laughs> oh, boo-hoo for and that, you. And that he didn't understand what was going on because he dropped out of the 11th grade. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. In eighth grade, I was smarter than that. Yeah. So like, he's like, I don't uh, want to hear it. I was poor 16 me. and I didn't finish school and I don't know what's happening in the world. Whoa, yeah, okay. it's me. Oh my well, gosh. You can fuck right off, sir. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And so. it's like, sure, he was held, but he wasn't like being questioned that entire time. Right, he, right. he, 
he probably didn't realize there was cameras or audio recording in that room as he was just talking. Right. You know? No, yeah. screw you. The court found that there was no error Good. In, in the interview process and that he did, in fact, give information voluntarily. So they were like, fuck your appeal. That's why it is always <laughs> necessary. I know that cops know this, but it is always necessary for you cops to always have the recording on right. at all times. Read your, read your Miranda, yeah, Miranda rights. rights. Recording. Yeah. Don't have any pauses because that's sketchy. Mm-hmm. Don't curse. Yep. And this is what comes out of it. Exactly. So when you do it right. So yeah, the court was like, you're full of shit. Uh, fuck your appeal. We're sentencing you anyway. Good. So. Sovacho was described as a kind, gentle man. It was said that he was sort of a hippie and was such a giver. Aww. By Aerosmith, which is weird to me. Like, you helped dispose of his body, yeah. but you're going to say that he was such a giver. He was so nice. Yeah, fuck right. So Aerosmith did do drugs, right? Um, Which is weird, yes, because he was, he was um, McNatt's sponsor in AA. Like, he was supposed right. to be helping McNatt So do you know if when he went to get high at that other friend's house or whatever, what he, at least what he said he was doing, Mm -hmm. whatever the case was, do you know if it was just, like, smoking weed or, like, do you know if it was meth as well? Okay. Yeah. Um, So So not a great sponsor is what you're saying. (laughs) But the thing is, is, like, I don't know if he actually got those drugs and did get high or if he was using that as, like, I'll tell you something kind of bad so you don't believe the really bad thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, get away with a lesser charge right. type of thing. Yeah. Right. So what, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. That's kind of like, it's never been proved. It's never been, you know. I wonder if they did a toxicology. They didn't. They didn't? They didn't. Not on Aerosmith. It'd been too long. Oh, okay. By well, the time they okay, started questioning yeah. him, it was a couple months later. Oh. Right. That's lucky. Yeah. Um. So a friend of Sovajo since high school, Don Scott, said that Sauvageau lived in a small, modest trailer in Casadero, near the Russian River, and he often took trips to Sonoma to help friends with housework and other chores. Aww. Sauvageau stayed over at Aerosmith's trailer when it got too late to take the bus home. Aww. Scott and others... You're breaking my heart. <laughs> I know. Scott and others remembered Sauvageau as a giving man who loved the outdoors, reading, and growing tobacco plants. Aww. Scott said... Sauvageau earned money by building barrels to age wine in and also received social security income. Uh, This is a... It wasn't one of his barrels, right? No, he he did wine barrels. This was like a water barrel. Oh, okay, Like the, like, blue water barrels. I was about to be heartbroken. Right, yeah. (laughs) Like, jeez. This is a quote from Scott that says, He led a very minimalistic life, and he was always doing things for others. I still can't believe this happened. He was not a violent or a mean person. The day he died was spent happily before he encountered McNatt at Aerosmith's home. Susan Catino, Sovajo's sister, said that she learned that her brother spent the day with friends playing baseball at a park near the Acacia Grove mobile home just outside of Sonoma. I'm sad. Yeah. So I, it just, I feel like every, every time I hear about a murder or talk about a murder or what have you. Like, it's always the least deserving people. Right. And it's not fair. Right. Why can't we... Listen, nobody should murder anyone. But if they do... I don't know. If they do, (laughs) why can't it be more of a Dexter situation where they deserve it? 
right. at least a little bit, you know? Right. I'm like, some people deserve... Uh, sure. I don't know. Other murderers deserve to be... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it. Okay, so <laughs> so I'm you not guys say it on air. No, so you guys <laughs> mentioned the death penalty. Yeah, I full heartedly um, support the death. Penalty. So, have you ever listened to Small Town Murder? No. Okay. Well, they're. I listen to them a lot, and they're very um, like kind of back and forth. They're kind of in the gray area, mm-hmm. which I agree with them because they always talk about. They think that if it's cut and dry. You have the DNA, you have the confession, you have this, you have that. And, like, it's for sure this person. Right. They think, oh, the state shouldn't have to kill them, but we should give, like, the victim's family a chance to kill them. Right. Or, you know, like, right. like if they want them dead, kill him. you know? And I kind of agree with that, but yeah, the, the way I'm gray with it is that, like, there's too many false convictions. Right. And yeah. too many people have been put to, be- to put to death for something they didn't do. Right. And that's... But if it's cut and dry, yeah, I'm all for it. I totally agree with that. Kill them. Um, I think if it's, if it's a clear-cut case where, yeah, they're guilty, they confessed, all that stuff. Um, I just don't want to be paying the taxes for them to get free health care. I don't even have free health care. Okay? <laughs> right? Um, they get a room. I have to pay rent. Yeah. Uh, they get food. I have to pay grocery bills. You know, like, it's just like, I don't, and honestly, I get that some people are like, they should suffer for a hundred years or until they die or whatever. However, the death, people on death row I have the worst time in prison. I know. But, Thank but God. It's, it's like, <laughs> I, I just don't, first of all, I don't want to be paying for them to have more, like, accessible healthcare and food and yeah. housing, all that shit. I get it's not, like, an ideal situation. But why am I paying for that? And two, it's just like, I don't even give a shit if they suffer because they're not the kind of people generally that are going to be like, hmm, I regret what I did. Like, yeah. Poor they, me. they don't I give a shit. I can't believe I'm in here for Yeah, they I don't give a shit or they wouldn't did. have done it in the first place. So yeah. it's like, just fucking kill them and be over with it. But that's just my sinister little brain being like, Well, what I hate no is empty. that like <laughs> the cut and dry cases that are for sure, for sure them. There's DNA. There's all that good stuff. Right. What I hate is that it still takes 30, 40 years for them to be put to death. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, we know it's them. Mm-hmm. Let them go through their automatic appeals. Kill them. Kill them. Yep. <laughs> like, sorry. Uh, sorry if that's a little... Yeah, I'm like, uh, I'm back and forth. It's just, it has to be cut and dry for me. I just, Kids. I don't. I just, I guess I'm a little, I'm maybe less empathetic than other people are. And I just think you have consequences to your own actions and then you have to deal with that. I don't know. But what about the people that, like, really, really don't want to die? I don't care. You should not have done it. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, really, really do want to die. Like, they don't want to live their life in prison. Mm, that's rough, then. I don't know. Because I but don't see, think I want to give them what they want. like that, where they're like, okay, I'll, I'll confess. But say I kill Alex and I go into prison, like... Oh, yeah, you know, if you're going to convict me, you might as well just kill me. Like, I don't even want to live anymore. Then, right. secretly, I could be thinking, oh, you know. I hope they like, don't kill me. Yeah, what's the word? Um, um, what do you mean? Like. Oh, it's like reverse psychology. Reverse psychology, yeah. Like, oh, I'm hoping that they don't kill me because I want to be killed. Right. So that's where I yeah, get tough on those I, situations. I, but I just honestly, like, for me, it's more of, like, I don't. 
have the same luxuries that people in prison do. <laughs> not that it's a lu- like, not that it's a luxury, but like I don't have free health care. I know it just I don't have bad. Three- exactly, and I know it's it's gonna sound weird, but like I have to work for everything I have. Yeah, and. It's not the most Taxpayers idealistic. Taxpayers are paying for my living. Right. It's not the most idealistic, like, living situation. But, you know, they get what they need to survive. And I'm out here struggling to get what I need to survive and to provide for my family. So, it's yeah, a weird, like, conflicted... For like 50, 60, 70 years of them being right. behind bars when we could just... When we could just go... Get them off. Right. Exactly. And <laughs> and so it's a weird, like, convoluted, very conflicted, like... I know. Thought That's process. That's why, like, I'm not fully in the yes and I'm not fully in the no. I'm fully in the yes. I'm... I lean towards the yes more. I'm fully in the yes. But... I don't care if they want it or not. I'm fully in the yes. I just... I just want it to be a cut and dry and clean cut case. And that's uh, all I ask. But I do feel I really do not like the fact that there are innocent people that have con- been convicted and and given the death penalty for things that they didn't do. Right. Of course. So I think it needs to be a clean cut case. And if it is a clean cut case, I believe even if they want to die, just kill them. Yeah. Well, and that's I mean, just that's just my thing, I guess. Why do they deserve to live? Exactly. If their victim didn't deserve to live, well, they did, but... If they're if they thought their victim didn't deserve to live, right. why, should why should the they? rest of the world think that they deserve to live? Yeah, it's it's like if you're gonna murder someone, you're taking a life, right? So it's like, what gives you? Yeah, who do you think where you do, are to play right. God? Where do you where do your values lie? Where you think you can take a life and deserve? Yeah, they're to not have the repercussion, God. right? It should be the direct opposite, where you take a life, you don't get to live your life. Yeah. You, like, you know, if your your values are so low that you don't think that a life is the most important thing in the universe, regardless of what they do and how much they contribute to society, like, if you believe that taking a life is okay, I just don't think that you have any values of any kind. The only time it's okay is if, like, your life or your children's life are in danger. Right. Then that's a little bit of a different circumstance. Look, if someone broke into my house, I have... No one knows where I live, so... (laughs) But I have a gun in my nightstand. Yeah, and you have a baby. Exactly, and if anyone broke into my house... I don't even have a baby, but I would be worried about my dog. And I'd be like, no, you're dead. Look, if if I heard anyone break into my house, that gun is in my hand in a second, and I'm not stopping that shoot... Like, I'm not stopping shooting until that person is dead. And their threat is... Totally. If eliminated. I had great aim, I would just shoot for the kneecaps. Um, I have <laughs> I have a pretty good aim, but I'm shooting to kill. I, okay, I, yeah. I'm I just have saying I'm aim too. But think about if your adrenaline no. is through the roof, you're not gonna have that great of aim. Right, but I'm going until the threat is eliminated. I'm not okay. leaving the opportunity open for that threat to still. Yeah, because they could have a gun too. Right, exactly, and that's the thing is like you don't know, and Morbid always says. Morbid is a true crime podcast, for those of you who don't know, but they always say the scariest kind of person is someone who breaks in not knowing what's in that house. Yeah. Because they don't give a shit. Yeah, they don't care. They don't give a shit if you're a seven-foot dude who does MMA for a living. They're still going into that house. So I, me being, like, five-foot-six woman who, you know, like, 
doesn't know any karate or whatever. Like, they don't <laughs> karate. <laughs> like, you know, like, they don't know that. And, and it's like, I don't know what kind of person they are and what lengths they're willing to go to to get what I have. Kind of reminds me of um, Joseph James D'Angelo, the Golden State Killer. Mm. How he... He would just go into, I mean, granted, he would kind of scope it out a little bit, but um, he would go into a house solidly for rape. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But how he would just, like, go in, originally only thinking that it was just a woman that was there and knowing that it was just a woman there and then going in and knowing that there was another man there and taking control of both of them. Like, he Mm -hmm. had to have been the best ballsiest guy when he right was it's it's it that's, that's scary yeah that's ter- that's the scariest type of person you can encounter right. someone who's not afraid of anything because they don't give a shit and they're gonna do anything they can to get what they want and yeah. it, that and that want is either robbing you beating you raping you killing you it doesn't matter yeah. i don't care what their end Monetary, goal is sexual whatever like my it's- my end goal is to eliminate that threat and if that saves myself my daughter and jason it is what it is. And Coda. Well, Coda's moving out. Sorry, so. I thought I'd throw him in there to make him feel good. Look, Coda, I know you won't listen to this, but no, I love won't. you and you're my best friend. But, I mean, you're moving out, so it's fine. Anyway, um, we'll shut the fuck up so you guys can stop listening to us. Because it's okay. We're only in an hour and 15. This is our longest episode so far. I know. You're welcome. Should I sing again? <laughs> should, we, should I sing? Yeah. Oh, but so then I draw a blank. Do our outro. It has to come like No, in. do our outro. Okay, guys. Don't be evil. <laughs> I love it. Okay, that's not my real singing voice, but go yeah. ahead. Oh, do your jazziest. Don't be evil. Oh, I can't. Do, I can't do that on on the do on it. cue like that. Do it, Sarah. We're okay, even, I'll start we're it. We're not even Ready? done yet. Hold Why on. are we not done, Sarah? Yeah. Do you want to link your socials? Oh yeah, my socials. Um, my Instagram is at Sarah Marie Pierce. Sarah with an H. Sarah with an H. So it's S A R A H M A R I E P I E R C E. Puzzling Podcast is Instagram at Puzzling Pod. Gmail is also puzzlingpod at gmail dot com. So is our Twitter. Um, our website is puzzlingpod.wixsite.com coms forward slash puzzling pod and our facebook is puzzling podcast well i was gonna say she did a really good job at that but she literally created them all so yeah, <laughs> i know them. Should know them i know them <laughs> and my instagram is tiff ep xo and twitter is tiffany ep and that's it but if you guys have any case suggestions or constructive criticism in the nicest way possible because my heart can't take it um (laughs) you can email that at our puzzling pod at gmail.com and And don't tell me my voice is horrible because i hate it sarah has a great voice something is happening on my computer right now it's okay we're still recording this is my um customer service voice anyway um would you like to jazz it out with me how are you jazzing out okay ready one two we're gonna say wait Thank you for listening, you guys. Thank you for listening. We love you guys so much. We love you guys so much. We really and do. Remember. And don't be evil. What <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. What <Whoop> <laughs> Bye. <laughs>